Welcome to Double Truck Stories, the home to some of the best features, investigations, and character portraits from across ESPN. I'm Mike Philbrick, your host for the Double Truck Stories podcast. Remember to subscribe to Double Truck Stories podcast on the ESPN app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to podcasts. In high school, Jalen Brown lived and breathed basketball, so much so that when his powerhouse team in Georgia lost in the state tournament, it seemed like it almost do him in. The loss seemed to overwhelm him physically and mentally to the point that the only way out was to adopt a mantra for the rest of his life. Basketball is what I do, not what I am. This balance helped Brown jump from high school to Cal to the Boston Celtics, but he quickly learned one thing. There's still so much left to learn. But that self-awareness and drive to educate himself has put him on a path to stardom faster than most people thought possible. Now those high school days are behind him and nothing overwhelms him. Now he's ready for everything, mentally and physically. Stick around after the story for my conversation with ESPN senior writer Jackie McMullen as we talk about how by not making basketball everything, Jalen Brown was able to be everything he wanted to be. Now we present The Revival of Jalen Brown by Jackie McMullen. The Revival of Jalen Brown, the Celtics' surging star by Jackie McMullen. By the third day, Michelle Brown's concern had dissolved into firm resolve, so she flung open the door to her son's bedroom, snapped up the shades, cranked the windows, and announced, We're not doing this anymore. Jalen Brown, blinking from the sudden daylight, sighed heavily. He had sequestered himself in darkness and solitude for the better part of the weekend, emerging only when his mother coaxed him out with culinary bribes, jambalaya pasta for dinner, French toast for breakfast— anything, she would later admit, to stir him from his funk. But now, Michelle had seen enough. Today is a school day, she informed her son, and you are going. Jalen groaned, dragged himself out of bed, and plodded to the bathroom to shower. It was March 2014, and Brown was a top national basketball prospect at Wheeler High School in Marietta, Georgia, starring for a powerhouse team heavily favored to win the state championship— but Tift County, donning T-shirts declaring no buckets, had jumped Wheeler, forcing 13 first-half turnovers. Brown led his team in scoring with 17 points, but fouled out with three minutes to play and slumped on the bench as his singular goal for the past three seasons, bring home the title, unraveled in front of him. He glanced into the bathroom mirror as he replayed the events of the past 48 hours yet again. Brown blanched from a wave of nausea, then leaned over and vomited into the sink. I had attached my life to basketball so closely that it made me physically ill, Brown says now. Brown would not attend a single day of school that week. His physical and mental devastation over the loss prompted a discourse with his mother, who spelled out her expectations. Disappointment, she explained, is part of life, and you must use it to grow stronger. It's fine to be passionate about basketball, but it cannot matter more than family, education, your health. This is your mantra, Michelle advised her teenage son. Basketball is not who you are. It's what you do. It was a turning point, Michelle says. Jalen needed to understand life was going to throw a lot of things at you, but you can't let them make or break you. Four years later, Jalen Brown, now 21, generates as many headlines for his posture as a basketball renaissance man as he does for becoming the youngest Boston Celtics player in history to score 30 points in a playoff game, 
which he did Tuesday night in a rousing win over the Milwaukee Bucks. Brown's diverse portfolio, public forums at Harvard challenging a child prodigy to a chess match, leads to inevitable skepticism that seems to dog well-rounded professional athletes. Does he care enough about the game? He does. He just can't afford to care too much. I don't ever want to experience that again, Brown says. Looking back, I definitely suffered a bout of depression, but people don't want to hear about that. It freaks them out. I wish people were more comfortable talking about it, but they aren't, so we keep it to ourselves. We're supposed to be a man. We're supposed to bottle everything up. I came out of it realizing, okay, this basketball thing, it meant a little too much. The ongoing task has been to find balance in a game that has come to define him, on a team that has come to depend on him, in a league in which every high and every low is dissected and accentuated in a high-profile manner. It has been a useful exercise. In fact, it might very well have saved Brown's young Celtics career. The offensive development of Jalen Brown has become a trendy talking point now that his back-to-back career-high playoff performances have staked the Celtics a 2-0 first-round series lead over the Bucks. Even before that, Toronto coach Dwayne Casey likened Brown to Scottie Pippen. The wildly premature Kobe Bryant comparisons are flattering, too. But Brown knows the drill. Quote, Brad Stevens is a defensive coach. If I want any shot at getting on the floor, I gotta know what I'm doing defensively. End quote. That has been a work in progress. Boston's defensive rotations require alert, precise, collaborative participation. As a rookie last season, Brown had to learn on the fly how to identify various NBA actions and anticipate where the next threat was coming from. It was both confounding and confusing, and he executed it with mixed results. You have to see two cuts ahead, Stevens explains. If you are the fifth defender on a play, you won't be the fifth defender for long. Most 19-year-olds aren't ready for that. It's a difficult adjustment that becomes more difficult on the biggest stage, where there's no place to hide. Brown's length, quickness, and basketball acumen spurred Stevens to challenge his young talent to become an elite defender. His 0.829 points per play rating last season, per Synergy Sports, ranked him better than all but 14% of the league's defenders. But, Stevens reminded him, he could be better. Much better. We realize how Jalen defends is a big part of us, his coach says. Last season, Brown's defensive quantitative shot-making, QSM, was minus 2.7, according to ESPN Stats and Information Research. The QSM stat is a measure of how shooters differ from their expected effective field goal percentage. Brown's mark last season was 27th overall. This season, he ranks 7th overall in the NBA among players who defended at least 500 shots, with a minus 4.5 QSM, a notable improvement. It's night and day from last season, veteran Al Horford says. I look at him on film all the time. Before, we would tell him, Jalen, you can't back cut out of the corner. He would walk into the game and, boom, back cut out of the corner right away. When Brown did grasp the rotations, the results were startling. Stevens was so impressed with one particular sequence, the video of which is linked in the text version of this article, from a January 7th, 2017 game against New Orleans, he spliced it into the team's film session. 
Brown hedges to help on superstar Anthony Davis, then sprints to the corner to contest Etwan Moore's three-point offering by leaping into the air and extending his arm like an erector set. Opponents often delight in exposing first-year players in isolation, yet Brown held his own last season. He gave up just 0.9 points per chance in ISOs, good for 66th in the league, per ESPN Stats and Info Research. Those numbers have improved to 0.79 points per chance on ISOs this season for a 17th best league mark. Brown craved opportunities to guard elite scorers. He exhibited pockets of success against heavyweights such as LeBron James and Clay Thompson and got torched, along with the rest of the Celtics team, by Devin Booker. Usually, vets dish some smack as they blow by rookies, but Brown said, Nobody knew who I was, so they didn't bother. The only people who talked trash to me were my own teammates. Last season's Celtics roster was stockpiled with underpaid veterans who stocked the hallways of the practice facility with chips the size of Ferris wheels on their shoulders. The uncommon demeanor and quiet confidence of a blue-chip prospect such as Brown, whose mellow visage masks his true competitiveness, occasionally landed him in the crosshairs of his teammates. There was the celebrated squabble with Marcus Smart last March during a win over the Timberwolves when Brown freelanced his way to the hoop on a drive and missed. The next time down the floor, an animated Smart scolded him, wait on the play. Isaiah Thomas was notorious for riding Brown hard for his defensive lapses, even though IT's own defensive rating was among the worst in the league. Jalen didn't know the defensive rotations, former Celtic Gerald Green says. The guys would get on him. I pulled Jalen aside and told him, they just want you to be better. To his credit, he didn't say, F this, I don't want to be everyone's punching bag. Instead, he said, okay, I understand. Last year was definitely a different group, Horford concedes. We had some guys out here scrapping, grinding, but also doing a lot of talking. No one really pulled Jalen under their wing. But Jalen observed, he listened, and I think he learned a lot. Teammates have grown accustomed to Brown's unusual dalliances and his tendency to carve his own path. During All-Star Weekend, while his NBA peers were trying to score tickets for Michael Jordan's Bel Air Bash, Brown was hitting up Fortune 500 representatives to attend his tech summit. He explores these avenues without apologies. Basketball is what I do, not who I am. And with the understanding that it has the potential to set him apart from the mainstream vibe of the locker room— It's hard when you are so young to take those chances, Horford says. I don't know if I would have been able to do it at his age. I admire Jalen. For most of us, it takes years to become comfortable in your own skin. Jalen is already there. Brown bided his time during his rookie season, aching for more minutes he felt certain he deserved. When Avery Bradley strained his Achilles tendon and missed 16 games in February 2017, Brown was plugged into the starting lineup. Instead of harassing second-unit players, Brown was suddenly chasing around C.J. McCollum and J.J. Redick. We threw him to the wolves, Stevens says. Yet the Celtics went 13-3 and with Brown in the lineup, and the rookie's confidence soared. When I got the opportunity to start, I felt like I had earned something, Brown says. I was mistaken. When Bradley returned, he resumed his starting role, while Brown reluctantly retreated back to the bench. Defense is Boston's identity, and as Brown's rookie regular season came to a close, he detected a pattern in the final month. If he missed a shot, he was encouraged to shoot another. 
but if he missed a defensive assignment, his stint on the floor ended abruptly. When the 2017 playoffs began, Brown poised himself for a coming-out party. Instead, he languished on the bench during a first-round series against the Chicago Bulls, averaging just 5.8 minutes a game. When we threw him in there for that first game, the intensity, that's what people don't realize. It's so heightened, Horford explains. There's no time for my bad on defense. You just have to be locked in. Jalen can be a little laid back at times, and mentally, I just don't think he was where he needed to be in that series. There were also other factors at work. During the regular season, Jay Crowder was the most frequent defender on Bulls star Jimmy Butler, but he was ineffective, so Stevens switched Bradley onto Butler, making him indispensable on the floor and cutting into Brown's time. After falling behind 2-0 in the series, Stevens made another move, replacing Amir Johnson in the starting lineup with the veteran Green, who rewarded his coach's faith in him by chipping in with 8 points in Game 3, then exploding for 18 points and 7 boards in Game 4. Green gobbled up the rest of Brown's minutes, leaving the rookie as the odd man out. Stevens, sensing Brown's despair, initiated an impromptu meeting with him before Game 6 at the team hotel in Chicago. I knew it was hard for Jalen, Stevens says. I'm sure he was pissed at me. At the same, he just kept working. Stevens stressed to Brown it wasn't so much his errors, but the groove of the new lineup that was keeping him sidelined. He urged his young forward to stay ready for the next series. After we were done, Stevens says, I remember thinking, man, when this guy gets back in, he's going to be a monster. Brown knew everyone was watching to see how he reacted to his reduced role, including his ever-vigilant mom. So he channeled his disappointment into a resolve to pounce on the next opportunity. There was no room for any kind of negativity, Brown explains. No time for emotional temper tantrums. No one has tolerance for that, especially on a winning team. It would have been easy for Brad to say, oh, he's going to act like that? The next thing you know, I would have been at the end of the bench for good. As he navigated this new, unfamiliar basketball role, he discovered an unlikely mentor in the very man who hijacked his minutes, Gerald Green. The well-traveled veteran tugged at his teammates' shoulders and told him, you can be special, but you gotta grab that chance. It starts here in practice. No more lapses, Green stressed. No more wasted possessions. And most of all, no hanging your head. I've seen young guys break down in those situations, Green says. They're cruising along, playing great, then their minutes get funky and they fall apart. Some of them never recover. That didn't happen with Jalen. It couldn't. Not again. Use disappointment to make you stronger. You can be special. I know Gerald thinks, oh, that rookie probably doesn't remember me, but I'll never forget what he said to me, what he did for me, Brown says. The Celtics played Washington in the second round, and Stevens gave his rookie another shot, incrementally increasing his time until Brown logged 19 critical minutes in Game 7. And when Thomas was shut down in the conference finals due to a hip injury, Brown's minutes and his production blossomed. He hasn't looked back emerging in these young playoffs as one of the breakout stars. Everybody talks about development and enhancement, Stephen says. Nobody talks about rocky times and how you handle those. To me, that's a bigger launching pad. 
As the defensive plaudits begin to trickle in, the Celtics staff keeps its budding two-way talent grounded with data to remind Brown he still needs to sharpen his off-the-ball defensive skills. Last season, he gave up 0.85 points per chance when defending the cutter on an off-ball screen, according to ESPN Stats and Info Research. This season, that number worsened slightly to 0.87 points per chance. Stevens eagerly awaits the day Brown transitions from knowing what is coming and reacting to the play to knowing what is coming and instinctively being there. Because of his ability, Stevens says, we hold him to a very high standard. There is no higher standard than what Jalen Brown envisions for himself. I'm emotionally and physically ready, he says, for anything. Joining me now is ESPN senior writer Jackie McMullen. Jackie, thank you once again for taking the time with us. It is my pleasure. Now, basketball is something I do, not something I am. Now, this is a mantra that Jalen Brown was able to come up with a little help from his mother when he was in a dark place after basketball sort of overwhelmed him in high school. Now, he seems that he's been living that and achieving that. How much of that is something that he lives every day and how much of it is something that he sort of has to like stare in the mirror and keep saying so he believes it? Well, I think, you know, the the, ref, um, the incident that you're referencing was junior in high school. Uh, his team is heavily favored. They're one of the best teams in the country, not just the state. He, he, he grew up in Georgia and they're heavily favored to win the state championship and they lose. And he has a good game. He has 17 points, but he fouls out. So he's got to sit there and watch over the last three minutes while this upstart team pretty much obliterates all the dreams that he had and, you know, stays in his room for two days, uh, doesn't, you know, barely eats, won't leave the room. He's, he, as he tells me later, he was in a, in a bit, a bit of a bout of depression and his mother finally comes in and pulls up the shades and says, we're not doing this. You, you're going to, you know, this can't be this important to you. And so I think you look at Jalen Brown now and we see Jalen Brown at a tech summit. We see Jalen Brown at speaking to students at Harvard. He has broadened his horizons. And I think that that's organic. I think it's genuine because it's, he does have those interests, but I think he understands that this can't be everything because when it doesn't go well, I can't fall apart like I did when I was a teenager. I've got to be smarter than that. I've got to be stronger than that. And I think so far he's, he's exhibited that. Now being smart is something in, you know, some of the things that he's done is something that like with the uh, NFL draft recently occurring and uh, QB Josh Rosen was questioned for, you know, for lack of a better term, like daring to think. And this seems like it was a label that's been briefly or at times put on Jalen Brown. We, you know, the chess matches, the talks at Harvard, the tech summit, but this is all part of the balance, right? Like, like he needs that to be able to care about the game as much as he does. Right. And uh, I mean, there's no law against caring, no. But I, one of the dumbest questions I ever heard was that someone actually asked him in the pre-draft uh, before he got drafted. You know, they made the comment, well, we weren't, we're worried you're too smart, which is just the craziest, dumbest thing I've ever heard. And, uh, and that's just sometimes those labels get stuck on you. And what happens is when you don't perform, then people start saying, well, see, it's because he's, he's caring too much about these other things. And uh, that's crazy. I think that's crazy. Nobody worked harder than Jalen Brown last summer during the off season. Mm -hmm. They told him you need to be better defensively. You need to shoot the ball better. You need to learn to handle the ball better. And I would say that he did all three, three of those things pretty effectively. And, uh, and that only happens from hard work. So there is a balance. There should be a balance for all of these players. 
And uh, I've talked to so many of them about when things don't end up the way they want. And uh, it affects them profoundly, too profoundly. Some of them get to a very dark place. Your identity can't be missing a shot or making a shot, winning a game or losing a game. It's just a very, very dangerous place to be. And I think Jalen Brown understands that, which is pretty amazing at, at such a young age to have a, to have a grasp on that already. Most people probably, even though it's out there, aren't really aware of the education first background that Jalen came from. And it seems that when you hear him talk and what he says, he seems pretty like after coming through what happened in high school where his mother helped him, you know, I'm going to open the windows. I'll make you whatever you want to eat, but you're getting up and you're getting out the door. He seems more open-minded and enlightened by that. And it seems like that was more of not just that moment, but his year in college. And it, and it seems that that's almost like a, a Cal Berkeley atmosphere would help create that. So how much from what your experience with him, how much do you think he was shaped by that time in a really, I mean, it wasn't not to degrade any other basketball, college basketball program, but that seemed like an atmosphere that was sort of perfect for who Jalen Brown is as a thinker in a way. I just think that's part of the, this, this kid has so much confidence. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, one of my favorite lines in the story was when he's talking about um, when Avery Bradley went down with an injury last year and Jalen Brown got plugged into the starting lineup and the, and the team did incredibly well and they were on a long, grueling road trip. And every night Jalen Brown's guarding J.J. Redick and C.J. McCollum and some of the top players in the league and doing really well with it. And, uh, and he said, you know, I thought that then, of course, Avery Bradley comes back from his injury and that's the end of Jalen Brown as the starter. Avery Bradley goes right back into his starting spot, and Jalen Brown goes back to the bench. And, and Jalen Brown said, I thought I had proved something uh, by my time in the starting lineup. I was mistaken. <laughs> <laughs> and I loved that because he, he was mistaken because Avery Bradley had earned his right over many, many years. And Jalen Brown just had enough confidence in himself to think, well, I'm here to stay now. And, of course, that wasn't how it went. So that was probably another disappointment uh, the interesting thing about him is, though, we talk about that, that, that opening scene his junior year in, in high school when they don't win the state championship and they're heavily favored and he's the best player and it's supposed to happen. And, you know, he did he was the leading scorer, but he fouled out of that game the next year, his senior year. Mm-hmm. They won the state championship. And I said to him, well, what if you hadn't won? And this didn't make it in the story because uh, we have we do have confines of how long I can actually go on in these long takeouts that I write. Uh but I asked him, you know, so they won their senior year. And I said, well, what if you hadn't won? He said, well, isn't that the whole idea that you're supposed to learn to take that disappointment and turn it into a positive? He said, I think I would have done that. And he said, of course, the minute I come to grips with it, then I actually win. <laughs> so it's kind of funny. <laughs> yeah. It's, it, you don't, yeah. It's, I've often told that to people about golf. It's like, until you really fully believe that you don't care how you play, you probably aren't going to play very well. Mm-hmm. Well, that's the stage I'm in. I care, and I'm terrible, so <laughs> I should listen to you. Uh, don't listen to me. I'm, I, I, I'm, I'm left-handed, and every time someone tries to tell me something, I'm like, just stop. It's not going to happen. So you're left-handed and you play left-handed? Because I'm left-handed and I play right-handed. Oh, I do everything left-handed. I do everything except for golf and, and street hockey. Because, you know, I'm playing so much street hockey now. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. I'm glad <laughs> I grew up playing street hockey. Yeah. That's what I did every day, every day, seven days a week, nonstop. You know, you're playing in the street, and then the, the balls, you know, you're hitting them, and then someone yells, car, and you run, and you grab the net, and you go to the side, and the car goes by. Yeah, you know? yeah. That's uh, every, If you grew up in New England, everyone did, even though I never really 
got like full into hockey. Everyone played hockey. Oh, of course. You had Everyone. the Bobby Orr poster with all the uh, trophies that he won. Absolutely. And I had that in my room, yeah, for years. <laughs> but going all back, right, we're off track. Sorry about that. That's quite all right. Now, um, while people marvel at um, Brown's evolution, like to point out, and they point out the mistakes he's made on the way, this is still his second year. Like he's only a few years removed from that story, that high school story. Which mm-hmm. is a ridiculous adjustment to be like, you are a teenager living with your mom, you're a cow, you're now being coached by Brad Stevens on one of the most, you know, famous franchises in the NBA. And Brad Stevens even talks about your piece, how handling those rocky times, like those are the real tests, not necessarily mm-hmm. dealing with Jalen, we love you and, uh, you know, sign this and, you know, turn this down. And right. so what? With the fact that the Celtics is part of, you know, not they're not the Sixers, but they have been having their own process, so to speak, for the last few years. Mm-hmm. What what do the Celtics do for like these high draft pick rookies that they have coming in? Like what what infrastructure do they have to help, you know, ease them along? Or is it like a sink or swim thing where like, listen, we need you to be a self motivator because we can't do this for you forever? Well, I think the the Celtics are probably the one of the most progressive, if not the most progressive teams in terms of encouraging their players to talk to other people, not people on the team, not mental health people connected with the team, but anybody they want to talk to outside of the team and the team will take care of it. They'll pay for it. So they're one of the most progressive and aggressive teams in that regard. And Brad Stevens, it's something Brad Stevens believes very, very strongly in. And that goes, um, you can trace that back to his background uh, he worked very briefly before he became a coach with Eli Pharmaceuticals mm-hmm. and dealt with a lot of people who were taking drugs for mental health, major mental health issues, you know, bipolar issues, mm-hmm. manic depressive, uh, these kind of things. And so I think that's where he got, he started, you know, to understand that mental illness or mental health, I like to call it. I sure. think that's a better word, uh, is is prevalent, not just in basketball, everywhere. I mean, I believe that the number is 20% of all people in our society have some mental health issues. That's a big number. So uh, so I think in terms of that, Jalen Brown had all the assistance that he needed coming in, and, and he has told me that he has taken advantage of those, uh, that he has talked to some of the mental health experts that have been made, made available to him. And NBA players... They have their own team that that presents things, and in the Celtics case, they also uh, cast the net wider. So if you want to go out and you know use someone who's independent of the team, they they not only recommend it, they encourage it, and then you have the players' association offering um, things. So I think there's a if you want to talk to somebody, if you want to deal with it, there are there's many ways you can do that, and I think Jalen Brown took advantage of that. But don't make any mistake now, Jalen Brown. As, as great a defender as he is, and you saw some of the numbers in the piece, yes, yes. he is not anywhere near where the Boston Celtics want him to be. They, he is not a strong off-the-ball defender, or not strong enough for them, let's put it that way. And in their minds, he still has a long way to go because they really believe he has the ability to be, to be one of the top defensive players in the league. You know, they're talking about defensive player of the year capabilities, mm-hmm. and he hasn't come close to reaching those. And he, you know, the big challenge for them is he kind of thinks he's already there. Well, he's not, and they're not going to let him forget it. And that's, that's part of keeping a, a young, talented player. So that's, that's what they're in the process of doing. There was uh, one of the quotes that um, you have in the piece from Jalen was he says, there's no room for any kind of negativity, no time for emotional mm-hmm. temper tantrums. No one has tolerance for that, especially on a winning team. 
that actually, that sounds like something you would almost read like in a management book from a, like, right. like some CEO yeah. might say. So even though he is only in his second year, how much of a leader, while he's becoming a leader in how he carries himself, how much space does he have to do that on a team, you know, ostensibly led by Kyrie Irving uh, and supported with all-stars like Gordon Hayward coming back next year and Al Horford? I think there's room on that team because, you know, those players you mentioned, they're great players, Mm -hmm. but they're none of them I would call dominant personalities, the way, say, uh, Draymond Green is, Mm -hmm. or, you know, uh, some of the others, you know, LeBron James, or those guys are all um, very fine players and leaders in their own way. But I think there's there's a place for someone uh, on the Celtics who wants to be that kind of forceful leader. I'm not 100% sure it's Jalen Brown, Mm -hmm. because Jalen Brown's a different kind of cat, and he's not going to be everybody's cup of tea, and he knows that. So uh, it'll be interesting to see how it all all pans out for him. Now, when Al Horford says uh, that Jalen is already comfortable in his own skin, and he, you know compares himself to it, mm-hmm. what he was like at that age, but then at the same time, uh, Jalen points out the encouraging words Gerald Green said to him are something that like really stuck with him. So right. is that all part of the balance where he has confidence in, in himself, but he clearly really either needs or wants or enjoys affirmation from his colleagues. His well, who wouldn't? Who wouldn't? And remember, that team last year, I think, what did, I forget how Al described them, an interesting group or a complicated group or whatever word he used. Very, very strong personalities last year. Jay Crowder, Isaiah Thomas, extremely strong personality who was very, very tough on Jalen Brown. Mm-hmm. Some would tell you a little unfairly, frankly. Uh, so there were guys that, you know, had no time for this rookie to figure it out because they were trying to playing for contracts, playing for wins, playing for credibility. You know, they were all underpaid, all of them. Jay Crowder, uh, Isaiah Thomas, Jonas Jerebko, all of them, all those guys, Marcus Smart, all of them were underpaid in their minds, Mm -hmm. were carrying huge chips on their shoulder. And here comes this kid from Cal who's, you know, fancies himself as an intellectual and isn't running the rotations properly. And they, you know, nobody was going to put up with that. So I think that what Gerald Green did was, finally stood and looked back and said, well, you know, even this kid who, who carries himself with such confidence, everybody needs an arm around them once in a while. And it was nice that Gerald Green was the guy that two very unlikely uh, comrades, I would say, just, you know, uh, their, the way that their paths were and their personalities. But, uh, you know, Gerald Green, give him credit for doing that, for understanding, you know what, this just kid, he just needs someone to put his arm around and saying, hey, you're doing great. You're going to be special. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and so, you know, Jalen Brown didn't get that from the other guys. And I, I don't know if it's so much a criticism of the other guys. It's, that's sort of how the NBA works, right? right. Figure it out. And, uh, and Gerald Green was the guy that gave him the hand. I thought that was one of the most fascinating things of all. So he, you close the piece with uh, a quote from Jalen where he says, I'm emotionally and physically ready for anything. Now, mm-hmm. is this is this the same as basketball? Is something I do not what I am? Meaning he needs to con- like meaning that's a mantra he's convinced himself of, or has he arrived? Meaning I'm arrived in a place where I know the work I need to do, and I'm ready to do it. Or is it more um, like I'm further along than that? Yeah, I think it's probably a little of both. I mean, I think he thinks he's all set, but there's so much more. Um he's got to learn and so much many, there's so many other things that he hasn't encountered yet that he will encounter, including now he's, he's, you know, he's dealing with a, with an injury. So, um, 
it's great that he feels that way, and I like that about him, but there's more coming. There's more coming. There's more disappointment. There's more, you know, high moments and low moments because that's just the way the NBA works. And uh, I think he's prepared to deal with it. And uh, I'm not sure how many other guys his age are. So we'll see. We'll see how it all works out. I mean, he's going to be around for a while. He's, he's going to be a terrific two-way player. He has a chance to be one of the great two-way players in, in, his, in his class and in his, you know, his generation. He really he has the skill set. He has the intellect. He has the motivation. It's, it's going to be really fun to see where he had, ends up. So, Jackie, well, with what we're seeing now, with what the Celtics are able to do, it's almost, you know, next person up, next person up in many ways. How's, with how they're evolving, like how scared should the rest of the league be for who they're, I mean, they're, for next season, going? everyone still talks about the Warriors and, oh, look what the, they're doing with Philadelphia with the process and where's LeBron going to go? But I feel that, and maybe I'm extremely biased from where I grew up, but I feel like what this team is able to do without what many would argue are some of their best weapons, people should be scared to death of them next year. Well, that's the funny thing. You know, when when Hayward went down, that was a huge blow. And then, of course, Kyrie going down. But it was never really about this year anyway. Mm -hmm. Now, the unintended consequence of Hayward going down is Tatum and Brown both played more minutes than anyone envisioned, significantly more minutes in significantly big moments. That is going to pay such huge dividends down the road for this team because they've, you know, they've, they've gained such valuable experience. Now, remember, too, the Celtics have either very small chance, 2.8% chance this year mm-hmm. of getting the Lakers pick if it winds up in that, uh, you know, that two through five slot, which I don't think it will. But if not, then the following year, they have the 2019 unprotected pick from the Sacramento Kings. Are you kidding me? <laughs> it's going to be an unbelievable pick. Yes. So they not only do, do they have as constituted a, a team that if you look for it, you really like their chances because they're just growing into themselves, but they still have major assets uh, going forward, including that pick that maybe if you're really to the point where you almost, you're almost there, you flip that for yet one more you know, incredible veteran that puts you over the top. So are they as good as the Golden State Warriors? No, probably not. Not yet. But they're going to be in the conversation here for the next five or six seasons. And they probably are going to be in the conversations with the Philadelphia 76ers, which I love, because it's going to be back to the old days when the Sixers and Celtics are going to be battling out to, uh, to get the right to go to the finals to play either the Houston Rockets or the Golden State Warriors. The Boston Celtics are firmly in the conversation now. I love that. It just in Maybe it'll keep the fans in the greater Boston area at bay who – I'm sure, as you recall, more than anybody else, a year ago, throughout the Twitter universe and atmosphere of of the internet, we're all clamoring, t- thinking about days of glory with Isaiah Thomas and Markel Fultz and bringing the ball yeah. up the court. Well, I mean, Isaiah Thomas, I can't even, it's so sad what happened to him. I feel bad for him. He deserved better. Mm-hmm. But what a stroke of luck for the Boston Celtics because they would have paid him. They never would have paid him the max. And I know that for a fact. They were not going to pay him the max, but they were probably going to pay him a lot of money. Yep. And uh, what ended up, I mean, you know, that Kyrie Irving trade was a, was the biggest no-brainer in the history of the world. Now now let the Kawhi, the Kawhi Leonard trade talks begin in earnest. <laughs> exactly. the, the trade rumors begin in earnest, even though I think he's going to go back to the Spurs. Welcome back. Yeah. You're a Boston fan. It's fun to dream. It is fun to dream, especially with now that the NBA is gone full bore into there is no off season. The drama is there you go. You got that straight. 
Well, thank you so much, Jackie, for giving more of your time to us today. No problem, guys. You have a great day. All right, right, Michael. Take Take care. care. Remember to subscribe to Double Truck Stories Podcast on the ESPN app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Thanks again, and we'll be back soon with more Double Truck Stories Podcasts.